somehow, if people can understand, they were born with vast creativity. We all share the same creativity. We're really talking about how we organize an abundance that was given to all of us as a birthright. Hello, and welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Christy Ashwanden. And I'm Rosemary Watola Tromer. This is a podcast on creative process. I'm so excited about today's theme, which is imagination and writing into what we don't know. I love that. I love the idea of imagination, which is sort of uh, all about creativity. Rosemary, tell us a little bit about our two guests today. Well, I met Nave, James Nave. I met him many years ago. I mean, like 20 something years ago. And I... Immediately, you know, we got along and we had a lot of fun. He's a performer extraordinaire and has by heart more poems than anyone I've ever met. Wow. So it's it's fun just hanging out with him because he'll just all of a sudden start reciting poems <laughs> and, uh, from all across the board, you know, for just new like, poems, old poems. I just want to point out that you do the same thing. <laughs> Well, without the same breadth as Nave, he's he's really impressive, <laughs> and he's he's got this. He he did an imaginative storm workshop right here at my house, actually, oh. while I was pregnant with with Finn. So <laughs> it's kind of fun to to remember how he was was here doing somewhat of what we were talking wow. about mm-hmm. to even twenty years ago already playing around with it, and it's fun to see how it's coming back around. And Allegra Houston has been working with Nave for over 20 years also. That seems to be the magic number and mm-hmm. memories this morning. And she is living in Taos and she is a filmmaker and she has written memoir and novel. It's just a, a really phenomenal. I know she's going to tell us a little bit more about how this process has worked in her own writing practice. Allegra and James Nave are co-founders of Imaginative Storm Writing Workshops and the publishing company Twice Five Miles. They've been teaching multi-day and single-day writing workshops together and separately for over 20 years. And for five years, they taught a creative retreat for screenwriting students at the National University of Ireland in Galway. Let's bring them on. Welcome to Emerging Form. Hey, Allegra. Hi, Naveen. Nice to have you here. Hi, Rosemary. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Hi, we're happy to be with you. So let's just start with the two of you have been working together for a long time. And will you just tell us a little bit about how your creative partnership began? (laughs) Well, um, I moved to Taos, New Mexico and met Nave, and he had been working with Julia Cameron, teaching Artists Way creativity camps. And um, then he decided that he would like to teach writing workshops. And because I was an, had been an editor, I'd been editorial director of a big publishing company in London and was becoming a writer myself, he asked me to teach them with him. That's the short version. And my version begins a little before that. Allegra's picks up around 20, 2001. And my version begins somewhere around 1988, 89, mm-hmm. when teachers started to ask me to help students 
generate written material in the classroom. I was a performance poet presenting traditional poems as, as theater for school students, and the students loved to perform the poems. We were doing the Robert Frost-level stuff, the Elizabeth mm -hmm. Bishop's material. Well, if you're in the eighth grade, you're probably not Robert Frost. The teachers <laughs> wanted me to do something, and I said, sure, I can teach writing. And I stood up in front of the first class and said, would you all like to storm your imaginations? Mm. You've heard of the brainstorm, but have you ever heard of the imaginative storm? Well, as you might imagine, eighth graders like that idea. I said, everybody give me a word. And I gave them some provocative image, like, like huh. the, you know, the, the car engine sitting on the back of a flea. And they're like, what? <laughs> and they give words based on this weird image that I just presented. And we wrote the words on the board. And I said, somebody improv the words. And they did a little improv with the words. And then I said, well, why don't you just write something? I'll time you for five minutes. And so they all wrote. And then they read. And the teacher in the back, who was happy that I was there, because why, you know, I, I was providing a... A, a free free period for the teacher, right? And, <laughs> right. and, and, and you know, that, that's why they wanted us to come, not because we did uh, anything that right. great. No, we, we were pretty good at it. And the students read their work, and the teacher was like, what did they just do in five minutes? And that was the beginning of this imaginative storm process. So by the time I arrived in Taos and I was working with Julia Cameron and invited Allegra to come and teach in the in the artistly creativity camp. And then subsequently mm -hmm. we combined forces and started approaching the imaginative storm with a little bit more adult diligence. And that's how it all started for me. And the mm -hmm. kids still to this day, I'm sure remember those because I've had some come up to me as adults and say, mm -hmm. Hey, did you remember when? And I said, yeah, I remember. <laughs> oh, that's I remember so that. fun. That's so fun. Oh, I love that. I I will say that I am the poster child for the imaginative storm method, because when Nave first asked me to teach with him, he was showing a great deal of faith on not, in, not very much evidence. <laughs> <laughs> but I hadn't written much at all. I'd written a couple of um, travel articles for English newspapers and magazines, and but really not that much. And in fact, most of what I wrote, I, I didn't really like because it was so stiff and pompous <laughs> and conscious because I was trying to write well. And, um, and it just wasn't coming out well. <laughs> but when I started working with Nave and using this imaginative storm method and surprising myself and allowing myself to be silly and playful and um, not worry about writing well, I discovered that I liked my writing so much better. It was so much more original and fresh and loose and felt like me. And mm. so, as I say, you know, I really am the poster child for this method. I could not have written the books I've written without it. Without, If I had not never met Nave, none of this would have happened for me. 
Well, thank That's you. That's so interesting. I, I love what you say about, you know, you didn't like your writing before. You were trying so hard to make it good. And I think this is something that comes up in this podcast a lot, this sort of idea of, you know, the harder you try to make it perfect or, or try so hard, it almost backfires, right? Whereas giving into this playfulness and listening to your voice seems to be such a, a better method. And by the time I had arrived at working with Allegra, I'd seen this with students. Mm -hmm. It had not been tested formally because, well, maybe it had been, but I would leave the classrooms and the students would go off on their merry way. So mm -hmm. I never saw it build over, over time until Allegra came on the scene. So what my experience had been up to that point, people loved it. They claimed that they would do it again. And I did get some reports back that they did it again and again and again mm -hmm. and used it. But I didn't see it play out over a long period of time like it played out with Allegra. And I will say with me as well, I use it too. This is not something I taught and I don't use. It becomes part of the way one thinks, how one allows the imagination to lead the creative process in relationship to the, the body itself. Mm -hmm. The body is the instrument. Your imagination is the fancy and your rational mind is the receptor for that fancy. And when the two come together, it creates this collaboration within the body, the instrument that belongs to, to all of us. We all have that, fortunately. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this seems to really work with almost anybody who tries it, because we have play as the core of what we have known since we first made our little utterance way back whenever that was. Mm -hmm. Play is the core, right? That's so fabulous. And I love that you have, a, you know, that you're both poster children for, for what you're talking about. And also that you, this idea of, of how you got to see it start to evolve, not just as a one-time thing, but, oh, look what happens when we do this over time, how it's not just about this page. No, no, it's basically retraining retraining ourselves for how do we, how do we meet not just writing, but the world, I suppose. So would you be very specific then about what is the imaginative storm method? Could you just, I know we've seen it in the classroom, but if you were going to give it to us, you would say, this is what you do. You, you surprise yourself. You don't try to write well. You set a timer for 10 minutes, which helps you not try to write well, because how can you possibly write anything good in 10 minutes? <laughs> and in fact, you'll be very surprised by what you write in 10 minutes. You use writing prompts. You make lists to give, you, give your imagination some toys to play with, lists of random words that you can generate in many different kinds of ways. Um, what else do you do, Nave? Well, let me frame this question and build a bit on what you said. The imaginative storm idea comes from a quote from a poem written by Charles Wright. The poem's title is Lonesome Pine Special. And the, the quote is this. What is it inside your imagination that keeps surprising you at odd moments when something is given back you didn't know you had had in solitude, spontaneously, and with great joy. So what is it inside your imagination? The idea behind this imaginative storm work 
from the imaginative storm to the creative form. You're combining the two. It's not wandering around out in the field, lost and alone. It's just allowing your imagination to be the compass you follow to the true north of what you would like to offer as a gift later down the line in your creative work. So what is it inside your imagination that keeps surprising you? So in this imaginative storm work, the book that Allegra and I have now that we co-wrote during the pandemic time, it's titled, Write What You Don't Know. What is it inside your imagination that keeps surprising you? You didn't know you had it. Now you don't know you have it. Write What You Don't Know really suggests that there's so much that sits right underneath the surface that is undiscovered. It's still there. Those fish that have yet to be named at the bottom of the sea, the species undiscovered, are still there. They know who they are. They've been discovered. It's us. We don't know who they are. So when you use the imaginative storm method, you find something you didn't know you had had. And when you do it, you do it spontaneously and with great joy, and it's usually alone. And yet you are with all of your memories, including all the people you love and care about, inside of that instrument. Are you really alone when you write? I wonder. Thanks so much for listening to Emerging Form. We want to give a big shout out to a couple of our paid subscribers who have left us really kind reviews on iTunes. For instance, Jill Berkey, who recently wrote, Wonderful! I love this podcast. I feel like I'm among friends when I listen to Christy and Rosemary talk about the creative process. One day, Rosemary shared a new poem that moved me, and I knew I had to start being a paid subscriber then and there. And thank you, Jill. <laughs> Rebecca Reynolds-Weil wrote, Amazing! You will laugh and grab a pen at the same time. This is a fantastic rollicking soup of humor, depth, thoughtful and practical suggestions, and rich creativity. The two hosts are a joy, and they wrap in wonderful guests to add to the discussions. Subscribe and share this delight. What a gift. I love that they both added subscribe to other people. That's nice. I know. Isn't that sweet? Thank you so much for your support, dear listeners. You make this podcast possible. And if you want to join Jill and Rebecca, you can sign up as a paid subscriber at emergingform.substack.com. You don't have to be a paid subscriber to do us a huge favor. Just leave a review on iTunes. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you. So how do you get into this don't know mindset? Are there ways of, of doing that? Well, the goal is to surprise yourself, not try and download whatever it is you think is fully formed in your head, which in fact isn't anyway. Mm -hmm. But you can use writing prompts to kind of get your rational mind out of the way. You will hear writing um, instructors say things like, get out of your rational mind. And you know, really, is that possible? You're a rational creature. You're an adult. And if you've been told to get out of your rational mind and you found that impossible to do, then you think you've failed, but you haven't <laughs> failed. You've just remained the rational creature that you are. On the other hand, if you ask your rational mind to simply take a back seat, let the imagination take the lead, 
we like to call it a dance between the rational mind and the imaginative mind with the imagination being the partner that leads the dance. So you find ways to get your rational mind um, to be quiet and step out of the way. So unlikely strange images or sounds that you don't quite know what they are. Any way that you can approach a memory or a story or, you know, of someone you know from some angle that isn't the way you usually think about it. You can make lists of random words inspired by other random prompts and then write by using those words. You wouldn't normally use the word, you know, um, oval zebras to describe something. But who knows, once you have those words in front of you and you're describing some place you once were, you realize that the light striped in a zebra sort of way. You know, who knows? But you end up with these much fresher, more original, more lively and intriguing pictures of what you're writing about when you approach something from any way at all that isn't your usual way, that isn't what you know. So you you find these ways to surprise yourself. You can wander in all kinds of directions and then come back to the scene that that you want to write about, the memory you want to write about, the the tree, the person, the, you know, the joy, the argument, whatever it might be. Another thing to think about when you want to set that mood of, I don't know, how do you get into that? This is simple enough. Before you enter the creative space, the, the ritual, if you will, before you enter, one of the little rituals you can do is just pause for a moment and accept the fact that there is a vast amount of material that you simply don't know. Trust that it is there. Just say, okay, I'm, I, I can buy this. I know that I don't remember what color my shirt was three weeks ago when I went to the store. Gee, I don't really know or remember what date it was I first talked to my friend Rosemary, who lives in Telluride, Colorado, but it must have been sometime because I know her now. There's a vast reservoir of information just there. And if you allow yourself to relax into the unknowing of the truths that lie below the surface, you will feel a little more at ease. And then when you start engaging things, like the prompts in the Write What You Don't Know book, like the fancy of just something you feel like doing because it's playful, or maybe you just like looking out the window and, and watching the bushes move a bit. Underneath that lie vast stories, and they may all be connected to something greater than us, but I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I really like what you say there about trust. And it seems like so much of the creative process is about trusting it and, and sort of not trying to force it, but to let it unfold. And I think, yeah, the name of this podcast really, really uh, gets at that, right? The emerging form, you know, the, the thing is going to be, it, it's in a, some sense beyond your control a little bit. And the creative person has to let, let go a bit and just trust the process, right? If we do what we did when we were first born, emerging into the world, we naturally knew to trust this vast experience that was before us. We had no idea what we had entered. Somehow there's an, an, an intuitive trust that's there. 
And there's somehow, if people can understand, they were born with vast creativity. We all share the same creativity. We're really talking about how we organize an abundance that was given to all of us as a birthright. And when we think about it like that, and think about how we as humans tend to lean in the direction of organization, we lead in the, lean in the direction of order and form. We are form makers. And the more we let our imaginations blow in the wind and have that freedom, the greater and more satisfying our forms will be. And when I say greater, it won't mean that this is a great form that everybody will love, but it will feel part of the greatness that belongs to all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious in the book, I, I love actually that you have people reading out loud. Would you talk a little bit about that aspect of what you're doing and why it's important? Allegra, will you want to pick that one up? Yeah, sure. Reading your, what you wrote out loud right after you wrote it is, um, it's something that had never occurred to me to do until Nave um, introduced that as part of the technique that we were working with. And it has an incredible number of benefits. First of all, when you read something on the page, you tend to be looking for what's wrong and what you don't like. When you read it out loud and you, you know, give it life and, and breath with, with the, the warmth and the breath of your body, it becomes this living thing and you feel the things that you like. You feel them as a jolt of actual pleasure. Little, you know, endorphins go running around in your body when you like some image, some phrase, some combination of words that you've come up with. So you really appreciate what's good about your work much more than what you don't like. And when it's something that you only wrote in 10 minutes, there's, there's simply no reason to be critical of it. How can it possibly be good? So you really are looking for the things that pop, the moments of energy. Mm -hmm. A, that gives you what we're calling an authenticity meter. Mm -hmm. Your body will tell you when you're writing true and you're writing fresh and it's really what you want to say. You're also retraining your inner critic to be your inner coach. When you're reading silently on the page, your inner critic is in the, in the lead. But when you're reading out loud, your inner coach is in the lead. You're, you're appreciating what's good. And if you think about it, you know, writing is one of the few things where we think that criticism, you know, is for some reason a good thing. I mean, nobody has a business critic. They have a business coach. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't get yourself a tennis critic if you want to win Wimbledon. You have a coach. So <laughs> the idea of <laughs> developing your coach, getting your coach strong and working for you, the way you do that is by reading your work aloud right after you wrote it. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. No one, no one has a business critic. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason to read aloud, when you open your voice to the world, when you present your voice to the world, you're presenting it to yourself as well. You're in the spoken word tradition. You're in the oral tradition. You're in the storytelling tradition. You're participating in something that has been happening all over the world for forever, really. So it's important 
to let your voice come out. And we often talk about in the um, Write What You Don't Know, Imaginative Storm community, people say, well, I want to find my voice. And we now are coming around to say, well, you really don't have to look that far. Your voice is right there. It's waiting to find you. And it's just at the edge. All you have to do is really invite it. There's no finding involved. You just invite your voice to be there. And the most important thing about one's voice, your voice is yours. It belongs to you. It's what's most treasured. It's what's most remembered by the loved ones. Yes. Your mother's voice, your father's voice, your, your, your sisters, your brothers, your, your, your loved ones. And when you hear those voices, there's something ancient and modern about it at the same time. And when you speak your voice after you have spent some time generating written work, which is brand new, never existed before, your voice lifts up from the new work into the old ways everybody has participated in since the beginning of time. We are in a bigger proposition here, my friends, than just one person at a table writing a story. Mm -hmm. And when we remember that, we can relax and know that we are surrounded by support. Wow, I love that idea. One voice of many joining this big conversation. That's really beautiful. Well, this is our last question, and I'm having a hard time picking, but I'm going to go with this. What excites you the most about this book that you've created, right? What you don't know. What excites me the most about it is the joy that it has brought already to hundreds of people and the potential of being able to bring that joy to many, many more people. We've been specifically working with the method of um, and the prompts in the Write What You Don't Know book for a little over two years now. And we have seen, we've been, we've seen, I've seen, you know, the people's writing become so much more alive and original and fresh and power, emotionally powerful. Um, I've heard people tell me how working with this method has enriched their lives, has nourished their spirit, has made them so much more aware and awake and grateful and, um, you know, alive to the nuances of things. And what is amazing to me consistently is how this is available to everybody. There aren't just a few anointed great writers, good writers who were just sort of born that way. And the rest of us all have to kind of struggle along um, at a much lower level. Everybody that we work with writes something amazing in 10 minutes at some point. Not everybody writes something amazing every time you sit down for 10 minutes and, and certainly nor do we either. But the, the thrill that it gives me when somebody who has, you know, started to work with us and they've introduced themselves by saying, I'm not a writer. And then they write something that 
takes everyone's breath away, literally. Um, I just taught this five-day workshop in Nova Scotia, and um, and the person who thought they were the you know kind of like oh my god I'll never write as well as the other people in this room wrote something and the the odd silence that greeted it tears rolling down people's faces from something that had been written in ten minutes and that is that that engagement that ability to convey the the truth of your heart in words on a page is available to all of us and it's not that hard to reach and it's not painful to reach it's a joy it's a pleasure it's an excitement um you what you're doing is engaging your curiosity about yourself and your experience of the world mm-hmm. and what excites me about this book when i look through these pages i see all of those students in the eighth grade, smiling. And I'm really happy we've managed to codify something I knew could be codified, but I just didn't quite have the time and the, the, the knowledge, the, the chops to put it together. In collaboration with Allegra, as a team, we actually came up with the methodology that worked for those students all those years ago. And the thing that underlies write what you don't know is ease. You can enter it almost anywhere you want. You can start at the beginning and go all the way through, or you can really start at the end and you probably would come up with something because ease is what pushes it. That's the fuel. And when you have ease in storytelling, that's when your voice, your sensibilities, your art emerges on its own. All you have to do is just relax and watch it happen. Oh, I love that. What a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much both for being here today. That was such a fantastic conversation. Pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Tromer, and my co host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>